Welcome to Jeff's World with Jeff Stein, the show where social, political, economic, spiritual, and philosophical discourse goes to live. Because in Jeff's World, we never give up the high moral ground, take no political divisioners, and fight until the bitterness ends. And now, here's your host, recovering hope addict and paid volunteer in the American experiment, Jeff Stein. I've kind of been waiting for this moment for ever, really. <laughs> I, I don't even, I, that's, a, that's a long time, that's brother. A long time. That's a long time. Forever's a long time. <laughs> I really have been waiting for this moment. Uh, first of all, I want to introduce my, my co-host, Erica Ferriston, Jeff Hendrick. Executive Brian is also here. Howdy, everybody. As well as Internet Georgette, who's uh, posting stuff, or she's almost graduate. So what is this moment that you're speaking Yeah, of? what yeah. is this moment? I, this, you know... Uh, uh, First, let me tease the show, because that okay. way I won't be interrupted. <laughs> uh, today on Jeff's World, uh, a Craigslist, Craigslist for leftover food. It's oh. a crazy little thing that's out there right now. Uh, the story of a Sunset Boulevard icon who changed the world from a nightclub. He died recently, and uh, I looked up the story. Sometimes, you have, sometimes you have to, somebody has to die before you realize how freaking awesome they were, uh, but they really changed the world, and we're going to talk about him. Also, uh, invest 500000 in the Kushner family and immigrate to the United States. Kind of cool. <laughs> you got a half million bucks? Yeah, you're in. I'd like to be a U.S. citizen, please. Yes. Just, well, we can afford it. Uh, that Bill, sounds corrupt somehow. Somehow. Bill, Har- Bill Maher has some words for liberal purists, which I'll let you decide the validity of. Also, run, Forrest, run. And by Forrest, I mean Republicans who just voted for the health care bill. <laughs> Ah. Wow! (laughs) And also, Jeff Hendrick will be doing his political Brady Bunch meme again. Russia, Russia, Russia. I think so. Oh my God, still? Today, especially with Uh. Sally Yates testifying. But what I have, uh, which is happening as we're speaking, basically. Even as the the president threatens her over Twitter. Yeah. Isn't that classy? uh, They're rightfully scared. She's uh, been allowed to finally testify, so we're going to hopefully talk, find out that as the show goes on. I'm going to check the headlines, and, and we'll look at it. But what I've been waiting for in this ah, moment okay. for a while is that um, I have watched my family's Republican Party slowly become more ideological, more cause-driven, more focused on identifying enemies and identifying who to kill and destroy and what to stop and less identifying how to translate conservative ideals into uh, the progress of the future. And it's really been kind of hard for what's this been? You know, Hendrick, we've been watching this for years of just watching it kind of get stranger and stranger and and the party being replaced, especially on the congressional level, also on the state levels in some states. But being replaced one by one with people who are more into the blood oath of opposing enemies than they are into building things and creating things. Yeah, you're getting you're getting a lot of uh, rigidity. I like that word. You, people are just completely bogged down in their ideology, and they're not they're not concerned about policy or making things work any longer. It's I'm right. So I'm going to stomp my foot until everybody else believes what I believe. Or at least the cause I am fighting for is righteous. Correct. And therefore, you know, it's worth dying on every hill for, I suppose. And and again, we've watched it. 
over these years that, that just the Republicans who were centrist or who said, well, yeah, that's great, but I can't be absolutist. The idea is absolutists. Well, I mean, that's really what it's about. And that's been replaced by more and more absolutists. Right. That, uh, and I think that really started to gain traction during the Reagan years when the uh, social conservatives started moving into politics and taking it on as their own as opposed to preaching from the pulpit, which is yeah. where they usually did that from. And now, the, I, the sad thing is, is the the whole social conservative movement, you know, it, it, those people were used in a con job starting way back with Lee Atwater. Yeah. The wedge issues were God, guns and gays. And yeah. it was all about how do we get unelectable Republicans elected <laughs> when they are, you know, when they are for the party of the rich. But we need uh, votes from the non-rich, and it was God, guns, and gays. And these were wedge issues. They're coming to take your Bibles. Yeah. Democrats are coming to take your Bibles. They're coming to take your guns. Remember that? Obama's coming you to have take to your be guns. <laughs> so, you know, it's, and they were conned, and wow. Now, I could hear my conservative friends saying, well, Democrats do the same thing, and I totally agree in, the sen- in this sense, because I watch advocacies, advocacy groups. And, and the first thing, if you ever get into politics, the first thing you'll notice is that when you go, and Erica, you'll back this up. When you go into an advocacy group, somebody who is fighting for a particular cause, they are absolutists yeah. almost always. I don't mean to be judgmental, but that tends to be who they are, what they are. That's why they're attracted to those jobs. That's why they're effective at those jobs because they go, this is my cause and I'm going to fight to the nail with this. Now that's fine. That's part of the political discourse. But what happened in my Republican friend, family's Republican Party is that they were replaced that usually on the congressional level, especially, let alone the state level, you're not usually, the politicians aren't absolutists as much. You accounted on the advocacies being a little too you know, serious for their own good. But you expected a politician to say, yeah, 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 we can't be that absolute. We well, have no, to consider all points of that's view. That's gone now because and compromise has been... It's a dirty ter- word. It's a dirty word now. And it's literally a negative word. If you compromise, you are weak, you're a failure, you're, you know, and it's like, wow. So, I mean... You have a. It's like if you had people, your neighbor, allowing your neighbor to figure out where you're going to put the fence. That would make you weak. Right. Well, also, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's like going going down uh, in flames for your cause is now more noble than actually getting anything yeah, done. Martyrdom. Martyrdom is 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 valued more than actual machinations and and doing something for the cause. And so I've watched this, you know, again, my Republican family's party get replaced by absolutists, one after the other after the other. And what I've been waiting for is a result to occur, you know, for it to kind of catch up. Okay. And because Obama was president and the Democrats held the the Senate and, you know, and this sort of thing, and they hold, of course, held the House in the first two years of Obama's presidency, that was all just not come to fruition. Well, now, as you know, they control the Senate, they control the House, the Republicans do, and they control the presidency. And finally, their absolutism is being exposed. Ah, here's here's your point. This is my point, <laughs> <laughs> which leads us to ah. one of the uh, prevailing topics, which we will start and when we return to Jeff's world, is that <laughs> this health care bill is an example of a kind of absolutism that their blood oath to destroy Obamacare right, this is, more than it was to... This is the wretched underbelly of ideological politics right here. Yeah. As you produce a piece of legislation that 
nobody likes. <laughs> <laughs> even the people, even the people that put, are putting I, it forth are like, uh, yeah, this is our bill. Try not to read well, it. Well, this was a bill <laughs> to give tax breaks to the well, top one percent, and they are very happy with the bill. So there is a group that likes. Yeah. That. <laughs> now we're gonna give you some numbers, weird things called numbers, which actually <laughs> actually explain why Americans are kind of freaking out about this. Uh, this they're spiking in the end zone on the first quarter. This is such an interesting. I'm giving you the metaphors in advance, but we'll have all that when we return to Jeff's World. Thank you for listening to Jeff's World. This is the rarefied air where social, political, popular, and popular culture is seen through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. I am Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick. Thank you, Internet Georgette, for uh, letting everybody know what's going on, and Executive Brian for growing the show. Uh, you know, <laughs> healthcare. And uh, I, I, I or, or as we like to call the plan that's been proffered by the House, Wealth care. Wealth care. Uh, what Jeff Hendrick refers to is a trillion dollar tax cut over 10 years in defense, but a trillion dollar tax cut. Do not throw the words to, in defense behind a trillion dollar tax cut well, for the to, already wealthy. To the rich, yeah. To, to, that's Come on it, now. That's what makes it kind of indefensible. The, the, the top <laughs> five per two to one to five percent that uh, will be benefiting from this tax cut if they got it through. And of course, that means a giant cut. You guys, and the thing that I've, I've I've seen on a number of shows, in in when journalists are actually doing the job of journalism, <laughs> is they've all asked, they and are. no one's gotten an answer out of this. Uh, could you please explain to me what a trillion dollar tax cut over ten years has to do with people's improved health care? And no one's got an answer because there isn't one. Yeah, <laughs> and and with this trillion dollar tax cut to the top one percent, who by the way in their everyday lives probably never even noticed like this money i mean yes on paper because that's what they're obsessed with it's really interesting the more money it seems that they that people get and i mean i'm not talking about all people but I have observed very well, Let's with just say Erica people. fraternizes quite regularly with the top one tenth of a percent or whatever. That is so it's, not true. But anyway. Yes, you do. That's all right. Um, that makes you credible. They, there is an obsession that they're going to lose it and look at how much is going in taxes. But I can tell you, they have not had to miss one dinner. Right. It wasn't like, well, you know what? Okay, so... Um, we, you know, our taxes were raised to provide a public good called health care, you know, because we're patriots and yeah. that's what patriotism is. It's yeah. sacrificing a bit for the public good of your, you know, national yeah. citizens. Yeah. Um, and so so we you guys um, we're not going to be able to make this dinner because you know we've we we had to like you know account for budgeting for this time. <laughs> That's never happened. <laughs> they haven't missed a dinner, but yeah. they do obsess and talk all the time. Taxes, taxes, taxes. You know, while they're traveling to their second vacation home. Yeah, I always like to say that money doesn't change you. Money just exaggerates you. If you were super generous, you'll get even more generous when you have lots of money. If you were super worried about scarcity and loss and takers, then you'll be more paranoid when you have lots of money. I uh, I make this argument when I hear people saying, well, I don't want to pay for somebody else's health care. That's ridiculous. Why should I pay for somebody else getting sick? You know what? I've never called the fire department. <laughs> but I pay for it just in case I have to. And just because, yeah. God forbid, my neighbor's house catches on fire. Yeah, I've never called the police for assistance. Actually, it's not true. I did once in San Francisco after being robbed at knife point. 
I called the police and I said, hey, I was robbed at knife point. <laughs> and they came and they basically looked at me and they said, well, what are you doing waiting on this corner? I said, oh, really? So this is my fault. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the bus to take me home. And since I've just been robbed and it says to serve and protect, why don't you serve my ass on home? <laughs> and they did. Oh, so That's nice. And that is a perfect example of white privilege. No, that no you kidding. You could actually say that to a police officer. And not be shot. And, and <laughs> have them take you home. So it's funny you mentioned that. A policeman or a fireman come right. and get you. I'll play a little clip from The Daily Show that kind of addresses something that would be that the healthcare affects in that area. I think you'll, you'll find the connection here as I, uh, you know, get it here. Hold on a second. Or not. There it goes. The current bill phases out the expansion of Medicaid and allows states to opt out of the requirement that insurers cover basic health services like maternity care, mental health treatment, and even ambulances. Could you imagine that? Yeah, actually I can. We're going to phase out the ability for an ambulance needs to pick you up. Oh, no, we're not phasing. We're, no, we're phasing. Well, you'll get charged for it, actually. Exactly. Say. We're phasing out the coverage. The coverage of it. Oh, yeah, no talk, ambulance coverage. I talked to a friend of mine who uh, had bare minimum coverage, and when they sent her out of the hospital, they said, you have to take crutches. She's like, well, I, no, I can, I, I can actually. No, you have to take crutches. All right, fine. She got the bill, $1,200. For crutches. For the crutches. Yeah. And they do that to everybody that doesn't have adequate health insurance. They dogpile on them. St. John's Medical Center did that to me when I cut my thumb open. I had a physician's assistant do all the work. She numbed it up. She stitched it up. She wrapped it up. And then they sent in the ER attending physician who walked into the room, looked at the chart for 10 seconds. I counted them out loud. Wow. He laughed and walked out of the room. I got the bill. Almost $800 for that. For him to laugh. For him to laugh in my face. Wow. Which I never paid. And I'm not ever going to pay. So St. John's, kiss my ass because you sent him in knowing that he wasn't covered. And by to the make way. Money. It's just, it's a scam. Well, this is what happens when you mix profit with health care. Or justice. Those are the two things you that's, can't do for profit. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And and profit has to be taken out of the equation. Out of justice and health care. And that's absolutely. right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and. You know, gosh, it's, it's so interesting you say that because also that's something that Obama did that people don't even notice is that um, if, if if Jeff, Jeff Hendricks' uh, bill, he can his credit report, his credit numbers cannot be affected by an unpaid medical bill. That occurred during Obama. Have they rolled that back They yet? haven't yet because I would have to get that I'm through sure Congress. I'm sure they will. But uh, they might. They're going to try. I'm they're sure. probably going to try because that was the way it used to be. You could get your, ding, your credit dinged for anything you did yeah. of any kind pretty much. And, Listen, and the they, party that claims to be the party of life and the military, they just put a major tax on veterans yeah. With this, you know, with their Trump if care what they bill, had got through, if yeah. it passes the right. Senate, right? Uh, and they just threw so many veterans because it's one thing to be eligible for the VA, but it's another thing to qualify. Right. So just because you're eligible, does it's I, like apparently it works versus, in a, I was about right, to say right it <laughs> works in a tier system. So somebody just gave a great analogy that I heard on the radio, and he said, "At 16, I'm eligible for a driver's license, right. but until I pass the test, I'm not qualified." Right. And so I guess it's you know so a lot of these vets you know, were able to get whether they lived, you know, too far away from the VA right. or whether they qualified for services in the VA, they were taken care of under the ACA. And they've just, if this passes, they will be 
booted out. Eight hundred and eighty cut from Medicaid. Yeah. Yeah, and let's actually yeah, let's, uh, can we can we calm down some people just for a second? Yeah, yeah. I, let's say well, first and foremost, right? Right. Go ahead. What you're going to say? Okay. Uh, everybody, just sit down for a second and breathe. Calm yourself. It's a bill. Now, granted, it's a poop show of a bill. It's horrible. It's yeah. badly written. Um, most of the representatives who voted on it didn't even bother to read it. Yeah. Which is something that they absolutely chastised the Democrats for back yeah. when the ACA was passed. But okay, so. In its current form, it is not a law. It is not the law of the land. It is a bill. So this bill has to go, in its current form, to the Senate. And the Senate will either approve it, not approve it, or they'll change it. Now, here's the thing. If they change it, it's got to go back to at least one of two committees. It's either got to go back to the Senate committee, or it's got to go back to the House committee. And then where- there's a conference to figure out between the reconcile the two bills. Correct. So what could happen is the Senate could look at the House bill and just say, oh, this is a poop show and we're not going to do anything with it. Here's our own bill. And so if they write their own bill, that has to be reconciled with the House bill or the House bill has to die its own death. So there are a hundred ways that this law or this bill cannot become law and more than likely some of them are going to happen and it's not going anywhere. And as far as the Senate, let's hear from Susan Collins. The House bill is not going to come before us. The Senate is starting from scratch. We're going to draft our own bill and I'm convinced that we're going to take the time to do it right. That's Republican Susan Collins, in case you were wondering. Also, here's Roy Blunt. Not uh, dead on arrival, not taking the House bill and bringing it immediately to the floor, but taking what the House was able to do, looking at that carefully, uh, and coming up with what the Senate thinks the Senate can do. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that uh, you played those two people, and those are two people on my personal hit list as far <laughs> as getting them out of the Senate because they've been there forever. Yeah. Collins has been there forever. Roy Blunt, what, 30-some-odd years, I think, in the Senate at this point? I think so, from Missouri. From yeah. Missouri, yeah. yeah. Both those dinosaurs need to be extinct. I think this is also an incredible opportunity. You know, it's not enough just to stop this bill and continue with with the way things are because we have millions of people who still cannot afford the co-pays and the premiums and, you know, they they have medical emergencies and they're putting up GoFundMes to, you know, have people help and try and pay their medical bills. We have, you know, the only nation where people go bankrupt due to med- medical bills. Yeah. So this is the time to stand together and rally for a single payer system. And the momentum is there, but it takes all of us standing together and calling your representatives and moving that forward. Yeah. And that's the opportunity that is presented to us out of all of this that I encourage everyone to uh, step into. And by the way, if you think that, um, oh, that's just liberal Erica talking, it'll never happen. Let me play you a clip from the Sunday shows from this week with George Stephanopoulos. Matthew Dowd, who, as you may recall, was uh, worked on the Bush administration, Reagan administration. He's, he is see, as conservative as you get, right? See any relation to Maureen? I, no, I don't think so. God, I don't know. I should know this. Anyway, he's an unquestionable conservative cred, and uh, he made this little statement on the Sunday. The health care system has been broken for more than 20 years, and it was broke before ACA, and it's broke after ACA. And this fix, it's like going to a sick patient and giving them an experimental treatment. And many experimental treatments hurt the patient. AHCA is going to hurt the patient. To me, there, no side is fundamentally addressing, and we need to actually ask the question is, should we go to a single-payer system? Right. Because Dang. affordability hasn't been fixed, 
by this or ACA and accessibility that is, is a, fundamental. That is a huge, huge question. It's not on the table when you've got a Republican House, a Republican Yet. Senate, okay. and, and the White House. Now, I'm a little pissed at George Stephanopoulos for immediately saying, well, that's never going to happen, basically. But listen to Matthew Dowd saying, we got to talk about single payer. When you hear conservatives talking yeah. about single payer because they have they have accepted the reality. And again, Matthew Dowd, when I started the show and I was talking about how Republicans used to be, that if you rose to the position of being a congressional Republican or a congressional Democrat, you had a certain degree of moderateness. You you realized that you couldn't be an absolutist and get away with it. And Matthew Dowd is an example of that. Sure, he's an unquestionable conservative, but he's not an absolutist who says, well, if it's not a Republican idea, then it's a terrible idea. Yeah, well, gerrymandering uh, in districts helped eliminate a lot of that compromise. That's right. The need too. for compromise, because now you can just go But there in was and- an active cultivation for absolutists. You know, oh, and, absolutely, uh, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you know, and it's and and again, it goes back to Reagan and the 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 influx of ideological purists uh, and and people now, that I were would, here's governing from the Bible as opposed to the Constitution. Here's where my frustration with the Democrats <sighs> comes in. You have um, John Conyers' bill HR six seventy six, which okay. is an expanded and improved Medicare for all on the federal level. And, you know, not very many Democrats have signed on to this. Our own Feinstein is not in support. Oh, uh, she, yeah, she didn't she say well, it's never, ever going to happen, but, right? But yeah and, yeah, and I saw that, and it's like, you know, she's actively undermining what we're trying to do here in California. So thanks a lot, Feinstein, for that. But it's like this is an opportunity. Again, it, it, like there's an opportunity here for Democrats as a party. Yeah. And I don't. You know, I I, I want to say I don't understand why they don't get it, except I do, because they, too, are recipients from the same bad actors that the Republican Party is, which are the corporate donors, the insurance companies, big pharma. And, you know, that's really the root of this is money and politics. Um, but, you know, calling your representative to sign on to H.R. 676, uh, Medicare for all, that's a huge opportunity where Democrats, if they seize that, they can sweep in 2018. But they can't just say, well, we resist Trump. They've got to do something for the people. That's right. Uh, When we come back, some news about 2018. And I'll go ahead and play a little clip from Diane Feinstein, see what she has to say about healthcare when we return to Jeff's World. This is the place where you can actually grow when you learn about the world. Thank you for joining us. This is Jeff's World. Uh, We like to take it a little more seriously instead of just being a show about judging and snarking. uh, We're trying to, you know, we're trying to figure this out. And that's, I think, what makes Jeff's World a little different. Uh, Thank you. I'm Jeff Stein, along with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick. But don't kid yourself. We we do have snark here as well. No, there's no question. (laughs) Lots and lots. and again, we'd like to think that in this new world, this is like 1968 all over again for anybody who remembers 1968. I don't, but uh, is is it is that <laughs> pol- I was alive? No, politics is uh, is is pop culture now because it's become so intertwined in who we are. And now the best reality show on television is, is our own lives. Ha! Huh, how about that? Instead of just being fascinated with everyone else's life, you have to actually look at your own. I'm going to vote myself off the island. (laughs) I know. I'm ready to. Hold on. (laughs) Let me check my Instagram feed to see what I'm doing. I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's exactly uh, it. So, uh, you know, Erica was talking about uh, Jeff uh, about the uh, Democrats having an opportunity. As far as 2018, which is another thing, everyone could be salivating about that if you're a Democrat. And by the way, the Cook Political Report already has put 20 Republican seats into the lean Democrat category Ouch. because of that AHCA vote that they did. Yeah. Uh, it is that toxic to their to their own constituents. And they only, and the Democrats only need twenty four to flip the House, and there's already twenty that are looking like Democratic, you know, uh, defendable. If you're a Republican House member, how could you not see that this bill was an absolute poison pill to your party? Thank you for illustrating the point. How well, could you not see how, that? How can you even ask that question <laughs> when you saw them? Jumping up and down and high-fiving and dancing and boarding on a bus to go to the party for, you know, what will translate, if passed, to thousands of deaths per year. I'm not making that up. They just signed a death care bill and they were partying and relishing and gleeful about it. So the fact that you're like, well, how did they not know what they are signing? I mean, this is this is beyond. They were celebrating what they've done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the good thing is, is that Erica is that we paid for the beer. So, oh wait, no, that's not a good thing, is it? <laughs> yeah, you know, we're gonna. I want to play oh, uh, it. a little bit of Trump's uh, <laughs> speech from the. I think it was in the Rose Garden, but there at the White House where they had the, all the Republicans standing around and talking about it because it is pretty amazing. But let me give you a couple things as promised. Uh, some of the Democrats who were stepping up and in, in, in the Senate. Here's Joe Manchin, who is a you know a centrist Democrat. <laughs> you can hear the grumbles from those because he's not progressive enough for that side of the room. But here we go. He's a Republican. Uh, yeah. 13 Republican senators working on revamping the bill. Our congressional delegation says, don't worry, the Senate will fix it. And no one's asked any Democrat. And I'm the most centrist Democrat willing to work and fix things if people really want to do it. But I can't do it with a threat of shutdown, repeal, throw it out. And the point he's trying to make, Joe Manchin is trying to be diplomatic about that, is that the Republicans are, are the one thing, that they, again, these absolutism is so extreme right now that they will not consider a if they If a Republican is willing, I mean, if a Democrat is willing to vote for it, they'll start over. I mean, it's that <laughs> they, they don't want anything that any any participation from the Democrats. Because their base will kill them. In fact, do you know what though? I think you may be wrong. On I know that. I'm I th- wrong. I know that's I, wrong, I but think, they don't see it that right, way. Right, but I think even even the hardcore Republican base is starting to wake the hell up. They're going, "Oh my God, the ACA and Obamacare are the same thing, and my black lung treatment's going away." Uh, hey, I think that is <laughs> one of the greatest things that the Affordable Health Care Act did. Now, listen, I have always been for a single payer, so I wasn't thrilled. You know, Obama had the opportunity to put a public option on the table that was pulled off. The The Affordable Health Care Act got rewritten by the time it got passed. However, I still recognize that the ACA was a huge step forward. And from that place, we could build. And, you know, of course, I think we need single payer. But what the ACA did is it gave people a taste that they didn't have before. And that is why you are seeing the rally cry. And so for all of these years, the Republicans have been conning their people with black lung saying, oh, no, 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 this your health care would be terrible. Your taxes would go up. It would be 
a horrible situation for you. And they believed that. But then the ACA passed and they got some health care relief. And, and now it's being threatened to being taken away. And I think that 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 little taste of how good that was to be able to get on Medicaid um, and all of these things, um, you know, it that's where things. they what that's where they're realizing, oh, gee, Maybe they weren't telling the truth. Oh, gee, let's go ahead and look at the 35 industrialized nations that have a single payer system. And so I think that's one of the greatest things that Obamacare or the Affordable Health Care Act has done. Yeah, it gave them a real tangible situation. Um, Hopefully also some of the numbers will start to bear out that we've been hearing the the fiction that you're talking about, Erica, that we've been fed from the right for so many years. America's got the highest corporate income tax rate. That's crap. Yeah, I mean, we'll get the ex- taxes it's next. demonstrably, you know, you can go, oh, no, yeah. actually, uh, look at this chart. <laughs> so let's so. hear from, uh, as promised, <laughs> Diane Feinstein, what she's oh, saying about, uh, oh, okay, hold on. My position is, and I believe this is the Democratic position, don't repeal Obamacare. Take those sections, like the individual market, which has some problems in it, and deal with it and fix those sections. And it can be done. And it... I know you guys wanted you know you wanted her to fight for Medicare for all and 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 I would criticize Diane Feinstein for what she does and I think it's a bad habit the Democrats did and I think to your to your defense to your argument uh, Erica is that they get too pragmatic and they look at it and say well it's never going to move Medicare for all and so they give up on it instead of going it's like saying we're never going to get to the moon so let's not even do a space program it's uh, like come on perfect is the enemy of good. Perfect is the enemy of good. That's the line. That is the phrase that I've been trying to keep in my head throughout all this. Right. Can you imagine how ineffective Martin Luther King Jr. would be if he had just been completely and totally pragmatic? I have an idea. uh, No, that just doesn't have have the same ring. No. A sussed out plan. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not really going to work, so let's not bother. You know what? This is never going to happen. Forget it. Go home. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just a thought. Anyway. Yeah. Since we can't end racism tomorrow, we shouldn't start. That's exactly you know, right. And right. this is where the Democrats, since I guess JFK, who, you know, had a vision and said, you know what? What is it going to take? Right. Let's get people on this. Yes. And he achieved it. Yeah. Yeah. We don't you don't do it because it's easy. You do it because it needs to be done. But with single payer, (laughs) there is so much. So we already have Medicare in place. So practically, a lot of it is already there. It is just the political will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay. So when we come back uh, to Jeff's World, I want to uh, talk more about these numbers and what we're really talking about, what this this disaster is. So we're not just just making this up, as well as uh, Bill Maher and uh, the other thing I promise I cover. Oh, Marsha Blackford. You're going to love her when we return to Jeff's World. In fact, some Republicans right now are just outright admitting that they did not read the bill that they voted on, a bill that would reorganize one-sixth of the American economy. I had Virginia baseball Republican practice. Tom Garrett, who said this on MSNBC today. Have you read the whole bill? Oh, gosh. Uh, let's put it this way. People in my office have read all the parts of the bill. Uh, I don't think any individual has read the whole bill, but we that's that's why we have staff. Yeah, there we are. Thanks for listening wow. to Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferris and Jeff Hendrick. Gosh, no wonder they exempted themselves and their staff right? in, in that Trump care bill that they just passed, because who's going to read their who's bills for them? Who's got time to read it? 
Yeah. Who's going to do the work right. for that? You're right. That's why they tried to put the exemption in. They They're took too the exemption busy on out. the beer bus. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's amazing to get so much news from uh, late night comedians. Another, a little more Seth Myers. Even the basic question of how much the bill would cost has been a mystery to Republicans. Like Texas Congressman Joe Barton, who said this last week. Is this going to be a, a cheaper bill when everything is said done if it passes or a more expensive bill than Obamacare? Well, that's a very good question. The, the honest answer, Greta, is that nobody really knows. And when it comes to health care, I think all Americans want the comfort of not knowing. <laughs> Am I covered for this life-saving procedure? Why don't we do the operation now and we'll tell you tomorrow? Ooh. <laughs> right? That sounds fun. I mean... Yeah, Joe Barton, that... <laughs> That lump of crap. He's the guy who apologized to BP. Yeah, he apologized to the COPP for inconveniencing his. his Sorry, we're inconveniencing you because you (laughs) dropped hundreds of thousands of gallons of oil into the water, and we had the audacity to sue you for for destroying the Gulf of Mexico. I just want to be the first to you know apologize to you for for this witch hunt. I couldn't believe that when that happened. Oh, I could. That's the absolutism we're talking about. Joe Barton is an example of an absolutist. That's the please don't cut me off from the bank role that you've got me on. Yeah. Please keep the funds coming. Y'all aren't going to cancel I, that I check, are you? Uh, yeah. No, those yeah. people did that, but I'm your guy. Yeah. I, I feel like I have to play a little bit of Marsha Blackburn. If you don't know who she is. Oh, God. Uh, she's a, a congresswoman from the great state of Tennessee. And she came up with the absolutist crowd. And again, you know, that's not uncommon to have a few of those in in the Congress. It's just that they've got more than they can handle, which is why this was such an unruly bill that they had to make worse in order to uh, get through the Freedom Caucus. Folks like Marsha Blackburn. God, the worst. I mean, the most ironic name for a political group ever. The Freedom, freedom caucus. caucus. All we want to do is take away your freedom, and yeah. you can suck on our caucus. Isn't there something about? <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's do these here all week. Oh my god. Okay, I'm so, just gonna let that go. Yeah, we will. It's Marsha Blackburn uh, trying to, on <laughs> CNN. Brianna's trying to get an answer out of her, and notice little gaslighting. This is a wonderful spectacle. And can, we're looking can you forward pledge, to innovating. though. Can you say to people? who are worried, who have pre-existing conditions, can you say to them that they do not need to worry about their premiums rising? Can you say, can you pledge that that will not happen? I, I think that individuals are going to be pleased with the options that are there. You can look at the <laughs> Gary Palmer, But what about, people, what about individuals specifically well, this with is pre-existing what I'm conditions? Look at, yes, and uh, you look at the Palmer Swikert. Uh, language that does the invisible risk pool that has worked so well in the <laughs> state of Maine what? and putting that into play. The goal is to make certain that these individuals have access, okay. better access, access, more continuation of access. And one of the problems with Will their the premiums exchange, rise, the above, my hope would be that their premiums would not rise. But can you, that Obamacare, can you assure well, them that, that their look premiums at what, well, Brianna, will not I think rise? You have to look at this legislation. 
Look at the promises that were made by then President Obama. Oh, it's the black guys you voted on. I mean, this is not. I understand what you're saying. And look, we we talked all about the pledges. She even indulges her. You can keep your doctor, and we, you know, we know what happened. And that premiums would go down. And look at what has happened, even this year. But what about your plan? But now it's your plan. Now there's a plan that you have voted on. Yes, and I'm answering your question. So can you you pledge that their their premiums premiums will not rise? As a result of this. this year, and you have a third of the counties in the state that only. But have Congresswoman, one I'm provider. talking about people with pre-existing now, conditions. She's so busy arguing how bad Obamacare is, she will not answer the questions. Congresswoman, 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 Congresswoman Blackburn, I'm talking about people with and pre-existing yes, conditions. Those individuals, the, with are you pledging that their premiums will not rise as a result of this with legislation? Pre-existing conditions have no coverage. So their premiums are going through the roof. Will what their we premiums rise? What we anticipate is that individuals are going to see their premiums go down or stabilize, <laughs> and they are going they to just... be able to have access to affordable health care. That is what okay, they so, want. But Congresswoman, can I ask you? She tries. Congresswoman, please, please respect that I'm asking you a question because I'm not getting, I'm not feeling like I'm getting an answer to it. That's because you don't in, want to hear what we have no, to no, say. No, no, I do. About. This, is, this is the big issue. It is a big Excuse issue. Me, and pre-existing conditions can is you say incredibly that important. Can you say that their issue. premiums will not increase as a result of this legislation? Because that's the knock right now on this. The knock on this right now is something that those who do not want to see it succeed are going to continue will to make. Will people who and have pre-existing conditions... Oh She's so victim-focused. Oh, beyond that, she's just—it's just she's she's shoveling as can much we? crap into that microphone as quickly as she can. Right. And she's not listening to a question. She doesn't care about the questions. She has her bullet points. She has her talking points, and that's the crap she's got to spew out of her pie hole because that's what she's paid there to do. Well, I can tell you from Crimey. you know being in politics, Jesus. that is what they've been trained to do. They are trained not to answer questions directly. Right. Um, but I would love to send a tweet out to thanking Brianna yeah. for um, for trying. N- yeah. No, God. she did. Now that's journal. That's that's reporting. That's being a journalist. She did not let the question go. When the person she was interviewing refused to answer the question and I give the highest, you know, applause to Brianna for staying on the question repeatedly. Um, and and I'm really appreciative of it. I, I don't really see that in mainstream media very much. Well, it's, it's definitely more. I mean, listen, to, here, I'll give you a little more. Just more Someone you else who them doesn't that their premiums will not rise as a result You're of this legislation. You're not going to give it a chance. You're the goal chance. is to make certain that they do not. What we're doing right now is not working. Can you pledge working. that it won't happen as a result what of the legislation? What we're doing right now is That's not working. Not we're question. losing coverage not answering and the, the marketplace question. is imploding. All right. We have to take steps to yeah, stabilize it. Our goal yeah, is to make certain that everyone, pre-existing conditions or not, have access to affordable health care. Oh. That's what we're working toward. The All status right, Congresswoman Marsha Blackburn, thank you so much. Hopefully, thank we'll you. hope to have you back and get an answer <laughs> to that question. We do appreciate I you. I oh! love her for that. Right? Even in the end. Right? The only thing that, you know, I think Brianna could have taken it a little bit further was to say it is a yes or no answer. Right. Will they, you know, 
maintain, you know, whatever it was. Yeah, there's been pre-existing conditions. Will they have coverage? I, Will they have coverage? Will their yes premiums go or up? No. Right. Will their premiums go up? I, yes or no? It's a yes or no. Right. And Brianna missed an opportunity to really hammer Blackburn on the point that she, well, all you know, the insurance company, the, all the insurance premiums went up. And he, do you really think that was the ACA, or do you think maybe that might have been? Oh, I don't know. The insurance companies raising their own rates. Yeah. You know, it's just she's allowed to throw out that little nugget of a lie unchallenged. Yeah, and, and, and I get And they all get unchallenged with that one, Jeff. Nobody ever says, oh, by the way, you're lying right now when you say that the ACA raised the rates. They didn't. The right. insurance companies participating in the ACA with jacked this. their rates or pulled out of states. So, that's what happened. Exactly. And that's the problem with having insurance companies and why we need to go to a single-payer system. Yeah, because the, the Republicans, my Republican friends like to cite uh, the different insurance companies that are struggling right now, that have had to take losses in this. Oh. And I say one thing they don't cite is the many insurance industry companies who have actually figured out how to innovate, which is what we conservatives, conservatives loved all the time is innovation, right? They there are seven, there are many companies that are doing quite well in this circumstance and have been able to work with the Obamacare reality, which says that 20% of your uh, premium can go towards profits and administration, and the other 80% needs to go towards care. That's we talked about this before, but that's one of the main reasons the big companies suffered because they were used to 30 and 40% uh, for profit and. And infrastructure. I'd like to see, though, that in reality. How are the big companies suffering? Tell me what the take-home pay oh. of the CEOs and what their <laughs> benefits were and what their right. stock options are and what their bonuses were. Because yeah, I point. guarantee you those people in those insurance companies were not suffering. They all got raises over the last couple of years. Every single CEO of every single large medical insurance corporation has received a raise in the last couple of years. So they're not hurting. They're not hurting at all. I mean, when you got a guy, when you got the guy from United Health is pulling down over a hundred million dollars a year, that's ten million dollars a month, man. And again, that's great if you're providing reasonable care to everybody. I don't begrudge anyone for of, of a large salary. Really, I do. But but you, well, I do. If, if you're the making... employees are being paid well and uh, receiving benefits, and they're not. That's the problem. Okay, when and you that's where C- we have the problem. When you have a CEO earning five hundred times the base pay of his lowest paid of the average, of the uh, average. And you know who's paying that money? You guys, us. Yeah, us. Yeah. 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 When we buy insurance, why do you think? Why do you think crutches are twelve hundred dollars? Yeah. <laughs> because they're not really twelve hundred dollars. No, it's we got because a, it's for profit. It's for profit. And again, I bring it. I don't normally like to play uh, folks that just argue like that because they don't represent where it's going, but they currently do represent uh, the folks who got behind this new health care bill. The other person, and so I want you to hear that kind of absolutism. And the other thing that keeps emerging amongst these, uh, the the Republicans who voted for this is that, no, it's going to work. I swear, I promise it's going to work. And no matter how much math is done. Here's my favorite one. Again, we have to get our news from the Daily Show. But here's about <laughs> the uh, the high right risk. Right there, you just lost your conservative. Listeners. I know, right? The high risk pools. The GOP bill calls for eight billion dollars over five years to fund these high risk pools. The eight billion dollars is essentially a drop in the bucket. We're looking at a graphic there of that eight billion dollars that caused a lot of the Republicans who were nose to turn to yes, and you see that that still leaves a huge shortfall of about 192 billion. If you're short by $192 billion, just say you don't have the money, right? <laughs> That's not being short. You can't be like, oh, hey, man, I left my wallet at home. Can you spot me $192 billion? Yeah, yeah. I'll Venmo it. I'll Venmo it back. 
Yeah, but listen to what they said. The reason the Freedom Caucus got on board with this bill is because it was $200 billion part of the ACA that went towards these folks who cannot possibly afford the pre-existing condition crowd that can't possibly afford their care. You know, like $30,000, $40,000 a year in care and they make nothing, right? And then they reduce it. When, when well, they promised to reduce it from hundred from $200 billion to $8 billion, then the Freedom Caucus said, I'm in. Well, actually, that was... That was Fred Upton, from my right. understanding. Fred Upton of Michigan. And this is a really good political lesson because um, a lot of times politicians, they will do things to look like a hero among the people. But meanwhile, they're going behind closed doors and, and they're doing the opposite. And I think Fred Upton, he you know, when he came out and said, well, I can't vote for this bill because it doesn't cover people with pre-existing commitments conditions. And everybody was like, oh, here's a reasonable Republican who cares so much about the people. He took that goodwill and said, here's what I'm going to do. Let's have eight billion and and then I can vote for this. And everyone's like, well, you know, obviously he cares about the people, so this is the way to go. But the truth is, we know that $8 billion will not do it's anything. It's $192 billion short from what we currently do, and we need to do more. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we can't really fund uh, those who have pre-existing conditions and those who are poor because we have $800 billion in tax breaks to give. That's where the money went, by That's the way. That's where the money of went. Course. It That's went to the, the already wealthy. Going. They it took it to out of Medicaid wealthy. And, yeah. and gave it to the top 2%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So The top 2%, think about that. That's what they got as a tax credit. Yeah. It, it's beyond criminal. So when we come back, we all know that. So when we come back, we're going to talk about where we go from there. And also, uh, I think Paul Ryan has officially lost me. And uh, I know that'll thrill this room. And I'll explain why when I come back to Jeff's World. Welcome back to Jeff's World, the place where people who love life come here to love it. We are uh, looking at the world through the lens of, uh, you know, possibility, purpose, punchlines, and trying to make it look like it's a much better place than it might seem to you. Because it is. This is this is the renaissance. This is high growth. What we're going through right now seems very painful, very ugly. But like anything in life, it's it you the pain will increase. Until you decide to change the way you look at it. Did you have a, a, both of us are tall guys, for those of us who don't know Jeff Steiner or myself, we're both. 6'4". Six, 6'4". Four. Six, four. Did you have a growth spurt? Like yeah. A, like a really weird one where like within six weeks, suddenly your knees were just on fire because your legs had grown four inches? <laughs> I didn't get the uh, the growing pains, but I definitely had the, whoa, what the hell's going okay, on? Okay, because I, I actually fast. had, I had, <laughs> yeah, the growing I had pain bad had. knees for about six months because all of a sudden I was Five and a half inches taller than I was last week. Yeah, it's pretty freakish. It's okay, weird. I have not had any growth spurts since I've been 13. <laughs> are you 5'2"? What are you? Oh, so technically I'm 5'2 and a half, but I always say I'm 5'3". I might, love it. Might as, might as well. Yeah. Might as well. I want that extra half an inch. You know, I used to undersay my height. I used to say it was 6'3 instead of 6'4 because uh, when I put it on my acting resume, I was I used um, to be afraid. I am also a liar in that See? respect. So I also have 6'3". I on bought me. into that idea that, oh my gosh, he's too tall. It's, it's, I'm 24 it's, years old. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Uh, well, no, that's actually... You know, it's 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 not an unfounded fear to have, Jeff Stein, because <laughs> they they look at somebody at six four and they're like, I can't 
pair this with my five foot two leading woman, it'd be freakish the difference. So I also say that I'm a, an inch shorter on my resume, which yeah. of course now everybody knows who listens to the show. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I'm a big fat liar. Actually, yeah. I'm a big tall liar. You're a big tall liar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the uh, yes again the great reporting from Seth Myers. <laughs> Love him. Uh, who I graciously put together because I was looking for the juxtaposition. I was like, wait a minute, I think I remember Paul Ryan. Uh, having a very different tune when Obamacare was being rolled out oh. uh, than to the way he's behaving now. And uh, again, God bless the producers at Seth Myers for uh, kind of clearing it up for me and making it all very clear. You'll like this. So Americans and members of Congress haven't even read this bill, and the Congressional Budget Office has not told us how much it costs. I just wish someone would have the courage to come out against such a secretive process. I wish someone would just tell Paul Ryan that we shouldn't pass bills we haven't read and don't know what they cost. I don't think we should pass bills that we haven't read that we don't know what they cost. <laughs> Thank you, Paul Ryan. Thank you, Paul Ryan. That was Paul Ryan in 2009 when Obamacare was making its way through Congress. And you'll never guess how much of what Ryan claimed to hate back then he's totally cool with today. If you rush this thing through before anybody even knows what it is, that's not good democracy. That's not doing our work for our constituents. Speaker Pelosi is trying to jam her bill through as fast as possible. I think this is less about health care policy and more about ideology. This is not bipartisan. For bipartisanship to work, the majority has to be willing to collaborate with minority. That has not occurred. We are right here creating a legislative Trojan horse in which a handful of people hidden from public view will reshape how all Americans receive and pay for their health care. And they're trying to muscle it through by the end of this week. <laughs> That's a great montage. And when it comes to muscling, no one knows better than Paul Ryan. And because they showed the picture of him <laughs> when he did his whole... Look at yeah. that guy. Yeah, I know. I know. He's in amazing shape. No wonder he's not worried about health care. His resting heart rate is he doesn't have one. <laughs> Everything that Paul Ryan claimed to hate about the Obamacare process in 2009, he is doing now. Republicans are lying through their teeth about the impacts of the bill on premiums and pre-existing conditions and hoping no one will catch them because there's no CBO score. And until last night, there was no text. Americans are being conned, and there will be consequences for the people doing the conning. But don't take it from me. Take it from this guy. What people are going to get is not what they think they're getting based upon the rhetoric that was used to sell this health care bill. This is not about health care policy. If it were... We could pass a bipartisan bill bipartisan. to fix what's broken in health care without breaking what's working in health care. This is about ideology. My friends, the choice is not whether you're going to stick with your party leaders. The choice here is what side of history do you want to be on? Yes, what's it going to be? Wow. Are you with Paul Ryan or are you with Paul Ryan? <laughs> Ding. I mean, it's that simple. Wow. Right? What a lying, duplicitous sack of crap. I mean, I, I, I thought, I mean, it, and again, there's an old expression, victims will always blame others for their exact behavior. Oh, it, yeah, it's called, it's, for, it's called projection. projection. Yeah. You automatically do it. It's like, yeah. no, these people are ideological. They're doing it for party lines. They refuse to be bipartisan. Obama, Pelosi, and Hillary. And here they are. And that's politics as usual to a degree, but not when you're playing with people's lives. Now they, you, don't they, they don't care. They don't care, Jeff. They don't, don't, you know, care. They're going to care. 
Uh, no, uh, so no, hey, no, dude, check no, out. I'm looking no, at Fox they will, News. no, dude, they will never care. They will, well, they be, may not care. They'll just no, be voted out. They're going to be unemployed soon. As they well. might be unemployed. Then they may care. I even saw, I mean, because I always check Fox News and, and, and see what's making it over there because most of it just is, it's not so much that they do always do people think, oh, they're always lying, lying. It's not so much that they lie in Fox News as much as they just don't report things that don't look good. <laughs> For, and so they, but they, even they like. There's weapons of mass destruction Stuff when there like aren't that. any, and so there they even reported that our, they had the, the old classic Fox News question: Are Democrats looking at a wave in 2018? I mean, they're already starting to notice it. Even Charles Kauthammer said uh, within he admitted that within seven years we'll probably have single payer because he started. Even he, Mr. Super Conservative, is starting to realize that yeah, this is gonna. We're screwed here. Krauthammer is just another, so to speak. Just, All right. I have yeah. some questions, Jeff Stein. <laughs> well, uh, hold those questions okay. until we come back. But uh, when we come back, we'll do that. Uh, a couple other Republicans we want to check in on. But also, you know, uh, this there's some good news and there's some very, very good news because this is how it works out. So uh, we'll get to that when we return to Jeff's world. Welcome back to Jeff's world. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick. And uh, so... Paul Ryan, I, I kind of done with him, but uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Oh, he's and was it just that you finally saw that he was a hypocrite, well, and it, you just couldn't see it before, or like what what did it for you? I, I think that 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 level of hypocrisy, just in the way he executed this, because you know, I, I wanted to see a certain earnestness in the repeal and replace. He seemed like one of the few Republicans who was like, hey, look, we can't just repeal it. We really do have to improve on it. But then he rolled this out and then said it was, you know, and then just completely went against everything he's ever said prior. So I was like, okay. No, he's a consummate consummate politician. That's all he's ever going to do is is do things that help Paul Ryan. Okay, so I have a question for you. All right. You you have, um, you know, taken Paul Ryan's high road for a while on this show and we would always push back. So I'm just curious. I know you don't have a huge ego, but I'm wondering if there's ego at all. Like, was there any part of you like when you (laughs) decided, okay, yeah, this guy is a total hypocrite and I, I cannot, I cannot carry water for him anymore. Like, was there a part of you that was that felt like, Ooh, it's hard to admit that I was fooled by him or it's hard to admit that, or was it just easy? Well, curious. I tend to always find peace in seeing the better angels in people, even when they may not deserve it. And uh-huh. so when somebody like Paul Ryan proves me very, very wrong, uh-huh. <laughs> I look at it like, well, I don't feel bad for trying to see the good in him. Right. I'll never feel bad trying to see the good in somebody else. And and I think one of the things you were going to bring up, we talked about it off the air, was about, does it make you an ideal? Say what you were going to question about. Well, I was just saying, when I listened to you talk about, you know, the Republicans and their being ideologues with, you know, their no health care for anybody uh, bill that they're well, hating Obama and and undoing what Obama did was more important than doing something good for the people. Yeah. So I was just so obviously, in case you haven't been listening to any of our shows, I'm an advocate for expanded and improved Medicare for all, guaranteed health care for all. And, um, you know, my, my question is, you know, does that make me an ideologue? Like, I don't think I could find even one Republican to support that. So does that make me... Just um... well, I think there's two things that wouldn't necessarily make you an ideologue. Just to just just knowing you, one is that despite your disappointment with the ACA with Obamacare, you were still in support of the step. 
That's yes, the first and it's part. Not, yeah, exactly. And, and I, sh- I did see it as a huge first step forward and that I'm really grateful for and appreciative of. Um, just need to yeah. take it to the next level. Yeah, and the second part is is I feel fairly confident that if the Republicans rolled something out, which vastly expanded the amount of people who had health care and reduced prices and made sure insurance companies weren't messing with people, you would go, okay, well, that's the next step then. Okay, that's true. And that makes you yeah. not an ideologue because obviously the ideologues would have said, I don't care if it works. The Republicans did it. We need to destroy it. And we're not Right, doing that. so if the Republicans came out and said, you know, we're passing H.R. 676 and um, single payer for all. Yes, I would be or on no. board. Even if they expanded ACA and said, we're going to have this same system where you know insurance companies are involved. They get 20 percent on every 80 premium dollar, but they have to respect the thing. And we're going to fully fund the Medicare you know, options and things. Then I think you'd be on board. Now, you would. Okay, I have to it. say I'd still be pushing single payer. Yes, you would. Right. But that's OK. Yeah. That says we got to the moon. Now let's go to Mars. As opposed to, they went to the moon, and so the moon is bad. You know, it's right. like no, no. It's it's the con- condemnation. Okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, well, two questions. Do you <laughs> feel sad that you can't find any Paul Ryan better angels? <laughs> uh, I get the only time that that it pulls at my consciousness for me is I want so much to love and include everybody's ideas. And I want to feel like everybody is where they are in the process, including the ideologues, including the Trump supporters who are going to, who are very determined to go off the cliff, regardless of how crazy he gets. Um, and so it, it, it makes me uncomfortable. Like for instance, when you guys start to rant and stuff, I get uncomfortable, but I don't stop you (laughs) for the obvious reason, because what you're coming from is exactly where you are. So, but other than the discomfort of watching people spin around in their anger, uh, I don't have any problem with it. You know what I mean? I right. And sense. then my other question for you is, do you <laughs> oh, no. see any... Show. Okay. There... No, well, because I, I think of the show as a political soul search. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's what's happening right now yes. as I'm asking you these questions. Yes. I, I'm searching and wanting to go deeper. So, yeah, me too. Um, but I cannot find... When I look at the Republicans, the Republican Party. And as I've said, you know, before, I, I, to me, they are a dangerous organization because they are so committed to destroying life. Well, they're committed to opposing things that aren't derived from the Republican Party. Well, no, I think well, because Erica Romney Care be, was mean, derived I, from the Republican Party. I know, and, once it was and, adopted by Obama and then it became toxic. So my question for you is this. Okay, there are actually things that conservative Republicans... Um, okay, let's take Pizzagate, right? Right. Now, stay with me here. Okay. The guy who stormed in with, you know, could have killed somebody was a loon. But let's just put ourselves in his frame of mind. If you truly believed next door, in the studio next door, that children were being harmed. Yeah. If you genuinely believe that, you would storm in there too. Yeah. Uh, to refresh your memory, uh, they believe the lie that was perpetrated by Mike Flynn, for instance, uh, that said that Hillary Clinton had a, a sex exploit, a child exploitation ring out of a pizza place in Washington, D.C. And so he went in there with a right. gun. So I'm just saying, like, 
you know, obviously it's so I can see where if somebody really believed that they would do yeah. that. I can see like the, you know, the people who are opposed to abortion, if they believe that a zygote is a human baby and that they're being murdered, I, I totally disagree with them, but I can understand why they ha- they would be so zealous right. about this. Right. I can't find any understanding to this death care bill that they just passed. I'm not finding it. Like I, I, I because don't... you're looking for a loving reason, and it's a fear based reason. They, well, I guess I'm just asking you, am I, do, do no. you see something there where they're like, no, 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 because if this money is saved, it actually will save a life. Like, because I don't yeah. see anything in well, there except um, it is callous and cold and it is about payback, payback to the people who donate to their coffers. If you ask a lot of the Republicans, what I've been watching with the interviews with the Republicans who voted for it. You know, the general consensus for a lot of them, not all of them, of course, was that I have to satisfy the constituents that I've, tur- you know, stirred into a frenzy who are demanding me repeal Obamacare. And they justify it in their head to a degree saying, well, if we just repeal it, we just get to the repeal part. It'll prove to them that we're on board and then we can start the process of finding something that works. And they're, but then what they're really doing is they're just punting it to the Senate. Because they are, they're hoping the Senate's going to save them. All, but it's all fear-based. There's no, there's no love behind that. All I'm hearing out of your mouth right now in regards to those people is, I'm doing this so I can keep my job. That's correct. I don't care if you die. I don't care if your kids die. I don't care if you go into bankruptcy. I basically don't care about you because you are irrelevant to me. Well, they're keeping their job in the sense that they feel like there is a they, they had a screaming constituents with again they riled them up into a frenzy who were who were saying you have to do this now and so they're satisfying that and they feel like they have no choice but that's victimhood. I'm stuck. What can I do? I have to repeal Obamacare because they've been demanding it and I've been promising it for eight years. Okay, I have a question. Are their constituents still screaming and demanding that they repeal Obamacare? No, it flipped. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So this. This doesn't even, doesn't even jive. apply. That's right. And that's why we've started the show with this idea that their ideology got so far off and they got so cause-based that they lost sight of who they were helping, who they were doing it for, and what the point was. They and ne- the con- no, okay. no. They never lost sight of who they were helping, Jeff. They were helping themselves. They've always helped themselves. They don't care. And this is the only difference between the they two don't Jeffs. Care. I don't see that sort of cynicism uh, that far. I don't disagree with you. But I, I okay. that's where I look for the better angels. So on this show, we played clips. They're clip. scared S-less. We've, we've played clips from guys that have completely double-talked in the I last know. eight years. We've played a clip from a guy who apologized to a petroleum company after we <laughs> fined them for poisoning <laughs> the know. water. Okay, we played clips from Marsha Blackburn, who I think if she was hit in the head with a baseball bat would make more sense. <laughs> So you know, how is it you can come at can me? Happen. How is it you can come at me with any yeah. sort of straight face and say I'm looking for their better angels? These people don't have them, Jeff. I love you that you think that they do, <laughs> but I don't think they do, dude. Yeah, I don't think Paul. If Paul Ryan saw a starving baby, he'd walk across here's, the street from it. Here's why I stay in the space that I'm describing, because your complaint of this kind of mind frame of these folks is exactly the mind frame I don't want to adopt. 
because they believe, for instance, that there are takers who are unrehabilitatable. They'll always just be sponging off society, and that's why we have to cut them off from healthcare to teach them a lesson. Do you mean like and the Waltons or GE or Verizon? <laughs> or Thank you. Raytheon? Ding, 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 ding. Absolutely. Or Absolutely. Well, yeah, or, exactly. I cannot debate the merits of that because obviously there are none. But my point is, is that I don't want to become that person who thinks that, you know, because it, it comes out of that fundamental, we've discussed it on the show before, we have a few minutes, is that that fundamental idea is, do you think people are born bad or that they're inherently bad or they're unfixably no. bad or unforgivably bad or condemned forever? And I think that Unless premise- Unless they're a narcissist, apparently, according go. to Dr. Romney. right? If they're a narcissist, <laughs> you can't ever save them. And so- Run. When you categorize the congressional Republicans in the way you do, I don't disagree with their behavior matching your exact description. Right. I don't want to be that person. No, you don't have and to be. And so I'm going, and well, in order to not be that person, I have to believe that also that they have a possibility of seeing the light at some point. There's no sense that they are yet. And Paul Ryan has proved to me that he's getting darker rather than lighter. But I'm going to always hold on hope that they'll, that they can come around for me, yeah. for my future, okay. for the world's future. All right. I will Not hold, because I believe they've done it. I will hold out hope as well. I'll also keep a loaded gun somewhere close. And that's 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 the difference between the two of us. Where, because exactly. I'm, I'm worried he's actually going to try to kill me at some point. Yeah. Because I think and it's a legitimate worry. What Jeff yeah, Hendrick is. does <laughs> is when when they speak, he listens to exactly what they're saying, and when they take action he's watching what they do and i feel like when they speak you kind of do what we've seen you know some of our republican friends do with trump well maybe they didn't really mean that and maybe well i try to identify their fear versus their desire and then when you say and it's clear that congressional republicans are so steeped in fear they don't know up from down they don't know anything they are scared to death and so they're behaving like and like Scared children. You think that they're scared to death of losing their job? Is that what they're scared to death of? More than that. They're scared. Remember this identity identity politics we did last show. They are scared of their entire identity collapsing, that their cause would be a farce, that they or be destroyed or be, you know, or not survive. They're 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 scared of their existence. they're, They're coming into the stark realization that old, rich, white Christian men are no longer the dominant I mean, population in too. the United States. Right. So here's my question. What are they frightened of? Is it like minorities are treated poorly in this country? Is it, what do you mean? Is it, say it again. Is it, are they afraid? Old, that, rich, white yeah. Christian men are now becoming the minority. Oh, they're afraid of being the minority. Now, I'm just curious. Are minorities not treated well in the United States? Uh, right. It, they that, are that, not. That's the premise, that if they suddenly weren't in power, that they would lose power and therefore be treated poorly, which is what they're doing to other people. Right. right. So I, look, I, I get you. But look, that's fear. Fear upon fear upon fear upon fear. Look in the mirror before you start judging other people, I would like to say to the entire Republican Party. Just try it for eight seconds. Take a look at your hypocrisy. Take a look at the stuff that you've done to other people in the name of profit. Right. Which gets us back to the top of the show, which is what I've been waiting for. This is this has been one of these moments that I have been hoping for because it is to the point where that ideology is being forced into they're either going to realize this or they're going to be removed. Because now you're affecting lives in such a deep and palatable and serious way that it's life or death for you. But they lined up for a life or death circumstance. This is how they saw the world. This is what they brought. They live by the sword, and now they're perishing by the sword. And that's how it goes. And we'll do more of that when we return to Jeff's world. 
Yeah, that's how we roll here at uh, Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Eric Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick. And I so appreciate Check us out on Twitter at Jeff's World Show and on Facebook. Thank you, Internet Georgette. She's kind of posting some stuff as we do it along. So if you want to watch us embarrass ourselves We're so in video. We're happy to have you back, Internet Georgette. We've I missed know, you. I know. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's graduating uh, on know. Friday. It's so cool. So welcome to the, the, the big leagues or something. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, it's, it's such a great uh, place to be in. You know, I, I'm very proud of her generation, actually. They're so post-racial. They're so post-gender. They're so post-all these things. Even even they have a great grasp of, you know, what's up and what's down. Now, of course, they got their stuff they have to work and they're out. they're so on top of social media. Yeah, which is God their blessing them. and their curse. <laughs> you know, it, because they they have that's one of the things that every generation has to kind of figure out some of the, some of the new ick of the, of, of the as, as, you know, humanity moves forward. And the information age is their ick, uh, which gets us to things like Russia. You know, Russia, is, Russia, 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 Russia. It's always about Russia. <laughs> or, you know, because right now, uh, Kathy, or Sally Yates is testifying in Congress about Russia's involvement. And I, I've brought it before and you've heard me say this, but this is this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to our country. We are actually in a war with Russia right now that people don't, aren't aware of how much they are messing with our, our social consciousness and our electoral process. Just imagine this. Here's the analogy I came up with. In, in California here, we have uh, wildfires and uh, a lot. It's one of our things. We have a joke here in Los Angeles. We have four seasons, right? We have uh, uh, wildfires, mudslides, riots, and, uh, and earthquakes. Earthquakes. Yeah, right. and earthquakes. And we, because we don't have weather here. We just have those as seasons. But when you know about wildfires, you know about uh, airdrops that drop what they call Foscheck, which is a uh, retardant, which is 85% water and 15% fertilizer, by the way. A little fun fact. It's perfectly organic. I was always thinking that my lefty friends would go, I hope that's not bad chemicals they're dropping on these forests. <laughs> nope, it's fertilizer. Just poop? It's, for, it's just poop. Water and poop? Water and poop. That's which... like diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that one. That's awesome. <laughs> they're diarrhea planes. I'm going to totally call diarrhea that Diarrhea drops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so... such a 10 year old boy. I know. This is so eighth grade humor. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay because Erica has two boys under you know under 12, so it, it's perfect. So, well, like it's kind of interesting that, that that's the chemical makeup of what they're dropping because that. Once once you drop that on wood and it soaks and it rots and it, it just goes right into the ground. It's kind of genius. It's genius. Yeah. Like they add a little uh, red dirt for the dye. Right. And then and otherwise it's fertilizer and water. So for my analogy, imagine our society yes. and Russia as basically on our political discourse, instead of dropping Foscheck, instead of dropping fire retardant, they dropped gasoline. If you could imagine a wildfire and a tr- tanker truck went by and sprayed thousands of gallons of gasoline, you can just visualize that. That's what's happening what right bo- now. What bothers me is that some people are still pointing at both the truck and the plane flying by, saying, exactly. it, saying that it's water. And saying it's water. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's not. It's not that we're seeing a pervasiveness of discordant, you know, uh, discussion in our in our Facebook feed. No, it's that my friend's an a hole. You know. Right. It's like, wow, you totally please, bought the bar fight. Please remember that RT is a straight up Russian media outlet. Yes. I mean, as much as they like to bag on us, and if you're leaning towards the left, Russia you like, Today. Russia Today. RT News is uh, state sponsored. Yes. It's, it's a it's a wing of the Russian government. So be aware of that when you start firing that off across Facebook. I can't it's absolute help fact. but point out that our elections have been invaded long before this 
by the Koch brothers and <laughs> right. the billionaires. Right. And a major instrument has been Fox News Corporation. So maybe we were invaded by the Australians because yeah. Rupert Murdoch is right. Australian. Right. <laughs> and the damage right. that they have done yeah. to our democracy yeah. for, I mean, decades now yeah. is incredible. When you have Chris Kobach taking people off uh, voter rolls through his secretary of state of Kansas system called cross check. I mean, there's a woman. What's her name? Beverly. Uh, Anyway, she's she's a black box voter. She has been warning about, um, you know, our voting system being our vulnerable to the tally being changed at lightning speed. And and no one really gave that much credence. So uh, there there's been a lot of interfering for a long time. Yeah, and again, I use the analogy that just pouring gasoline on it. Yes, we are. We're already believing it. We were already determined to believe it, and we still like our bubbles. In fact, there's a a, a new article I was just saying about how there's a new app. Uh, to make to reduce your Facebook feed so it's not an echo chamber, <laughs> and it's fun—an app for everything, right? To help you get out of your filter bubble, we'll put that on Facebook too, so you can check it out. But literally, it goes through your your feed, and it also kind of sees what you like, which we where the feed always always does. But then notices some things that you're just not you're just missing that you might find interesting. It's that classic thing. Now, of course, you have to have an open enough enough mind to seek that. But this is how it happens. It's it's slow. It's incremental. But we're starting to starting to care about, you know, at least enough of us are about what other people think. And I, and I don't want to give up on that. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, hold on a second. I'm going to find I'll find it. I'll give it to you uh, in a second here. Thank you, Internet Georgia. She's always on top. But um, let's hear from a couple. I want to hear. Let's see. Was it Kathy McMorris Rogers who they're parading around to try to because one of the things that if you're in the bubble. And you're saying you're you notice your Facebook friends are they're they're totally convinced that this healthcare bill is going to be better. Again, if you have if you identify with your party being the party of salvation, and I don't care if it's Democrats or Republicans. And again, there are Democrats who do this. I just say the only distinction is there aren't as many holding congressional seats. Uh, the, the, the the whack job Democrats tend to be just be in advocacy groups. They're not as pervasive in Congress or in the state houses. Um, and they're a little slightly better vetting system, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> here's hoping. But um, if you're in the bubble and you're seeing it, these this has been the, the talking point for the last 48 hours from the Republicans has been, this is going to work. Trust us. And there's enough folks <laughs> in the bubble who say, I trust them, that it's going to work. And you're not going to get to those folks necessarily. They may have to actually have their premiums go up. And then premiums have to go up four or five more times before they finally go, wait a minute, maybe this isn't just Obamacare. Unfortunately, a lot you know? of some of these people are just going to continue to blame Obama because that's what they're told to do by and, their by their representatives. Yeah. And they're going to and they're going to do it and remain in their ignorance. Yeah, they may go to their grave with that. It is. Uh, so we haven't talked too much about Donald Trump, which has been nice uh, because this is about really about how the rest of us respond. And I also want to talk about, I promised this at the top of the show, when we come back, uh, I want to get to Bill Maher. He made some commentary about liberal purists, so we can put it back to that part of the ideology so we can understand that it's not just a conservative ideology, it's on the left too. And uh, I want my uh, co-hosts to weigh in on how they feel about that when we return to Jeff's World. But in the case of Donald Trump, I will say this about 100 days. It does give us enough evidence to ask those liberals 
who couldn't bring themselves to vote for Hillary because she was the lesser of two evils. Quite a bit lesser, wouldn't you say now? And no, this isn't about reliving the last election or about my great love for Hillary, which never was. It's about winning the next election. And that begins with learning the difference between an imperfect friend and a deadly enemy. Jill Stein said of her <laughs> electoral rivals, Hillary and Trump, to me, one is death by gunshot wound and the other is death by strangulation. Well, I'm sure with Trump in charge and a racist attorney general, there'll be a lot more of both. My dear friend Cornell West said during the campaign, I think Trump will be a neo-fascist catastrophe and Clinton will be a neoliberal disaster. I don't even know what a neoliberal disaster even means, but whatever it is, isn't it better than a fascist one? Under Hillary, would we have Attorney General Foghorn Leghorn? <laughs> Or Montgomery Burns in charge of the EPA? <laughs> or Rick Perry guarding the nukes? <laughs> Would she have a cabinet made up almost entirely of rich, straight, white men? Before the election, Edward Snowden tweeted, 2016, a choice between Donald Trump and Goldman Sachs. Yeah, so what happened? The anti-Wall Street crowd that was too pure to vote for Hillary ended up putting Goldman Sachs people as Trump's top political strategist, the head of his economic council, and yep. our treasury secretary. The trifecta. The only people he hasn't hired from Goldman Sachs are Goldman and Sachs. <laughs> right. If Hillary was president now, would we be turning the clock back on the one issue for which there is no more time? climate change? Yeah. Would we be having to wonder if our president's love of dictators foreshadows some kind of coup here? Would anyone have to wonder if she was Putin's bitch? <laughs> and instead of trying to kick millions off health care to pay for a tax cut for herself, she'd be trying to raise her own taxes to get more people covered on so many issues. She wouldn't be complaining. It's complicated. Who knew? She knew. She loves complicated. She's a reader. <laughs> In air quotes. Do you really think if just as evil Hillary had been elected, conservatives would now be in control of the Supreme Court as they will for decades? Just wait until the five to four decisions start rolling in, gutting unions making it harder for minorities to vote, siding with polluters, overturning abortion rights, then maybe you'll join me in saying to the liberal purists, go f*** yourselves with a locally grown organic cucumber. <laughs> uh, welcome back to Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferris and Jeff Hendrick. You know, it's yeah, that's all very good and well, Bill. Yay, pat yourself on the back. Oh, yeah, you're a real champion of liberal causes. You're also part of the problem, Bill. Without you... We don't have Christine. I'm not a witch. O'Donnell, without you, Ann Coulter isn't risen to the ranks of where Ann Coulter is. Okay, you've put a lot of hot air and BS spewers on your little politically incorrect show, and you've glad-handed them, and you've softballed them, and you've kid-gloved them. So don't come off as a holier-than-thou, leftist, supreme, avenging angel, Bill, because I don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. I think that— I won't argue with that. <clears throat> Uh, you know, obviously, he's an entertainer. He's sure. doing this for entertainment sure. purposes. 
Um, it's not helpful. You know, if he if he's trying to be of service, I mean, you're talking right before this, how Russia's trying to divide, 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 divide. Well, you know, how how does that create unity? I think that um, I, I think Jeff Hendrick and I have said repeatedly on this show, we absolutely would rather have Hillary Clinton exactly. um, as president than Donald Trump. And I, I don't think you could find a reasonable American who wouldn't prefer that, especially now, regardless of where they were with the primaries and that kind of, you know, right. Blame the Bernie people, blame the millennials. I mean, what's the point? And you know what? I do have to say, you know, where he tells us to take an organic cucumber and shove it up our whatever. (laughs) Yeah, he's being funny. You know, it's by the way, people should be eating organic. <laughs> so you live up to the stereotype. That's what I love about you. No, absolutely. Uh, because I don't know if you know what pesticides are, but they're chemicals <laughs> that are Many of designed them cause to kill things. Cancer. Yeah. And by the way, these pesticides, you have superbugs now because they're not doing their job in the field, but there's lots of studies showing that they're, you know, causing cancers. Anyway. But the point is, I digress. Also, yeah. But the point is this. I do think there are a lot of similarities that Hillary Clinton uh, would share with Donald Trump. For example, I think in the last 24 hours, there were 18 drone strikes. I, I, I think that she would have continued the drone strikes to the level that they are probably are at now. Do I think that she would have... Uh, been on the forefront of reversing climate change, not necessarily because she wasn't really on the forefront of that in the beginning. You know, again, it's if you look at her actions, but do, would I still prefer Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump? Absolutely. Am I going to paint her to be this uh, democratic, socialist, wonderful thing that would be president now? No. I mean, I think we have to stay in the reality of that. So I yeah. don't know if that answers your question, but it's it's not extreme as, um, you know. Um, well, what do you think is the lesson out of it then? What's the lesson? What's the lesson? Um, the lesson Vote for I, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> the lesson that I took away from this That's last- That's not a lesson. The last ele- from the last presidential election, this is my takeaway. 41% of the registered electorate didn't vote at all. Not, yeah, not for Bernie, not the- for Jill, not for Hillary, not for Donnie Boy. They simply sat it out. And what that says to me, when you have almost half of the registered electorate not voting for anybody- You've got crappy candidates. In a presidential Well, year. Bernie You've wasn't on the ticket to vote for at that time. But if you look at, you know, the overwhelming yeah. support. But anyway. So, right. No, but I'm, I'm talking about what actually happened. I guess then the, the lesson, lesson is, is put somebody on the ticket that inspires people to go to the voting polls. That is a lesson for, That's the, a lesson. Uh, for oh, yeah. our unfortunate two-party system. Uh, that is one of the lessons. I think that our lesson is that was, I think, learned in France. France learned our lesson. Because Macron, uh, Emmanuel Macron, who you may or may not know much about, he is an outsider, which was very appropriate for today's modern times. But he's also a centrist. And progressives had no problem putting their full-throated support behind this centrist, knowing that he was a serious shortcoming on a lot of the things they wanted because he wasn't Marine Le Pen, who was an outright fascist Russia, met with Russia, planned to turn France into a nationalistic, you know, Muslim-hating crazy box. And so 
That's the lesson. And Bill Maher has a clumsy, blamey, revengey way of expressing it, which pushes buttons, and that's why I played it. But uh, the lesson is we got to be not only more aware, but we got to say sometimes you take the candidate and you go, I got to get behind this one because right. the peril is, is high. I, I definitely wish she was our president as opposed to fascist Donald Trump. And by the way, on the climate change thing, one of the summer movies coming out, this summer is an inconvenient sequel. And I'm told that it's an Al Gore film, obviously. Yeah, it's even scarier than an inconvenient Well, I'm truth. told he said it. He said it. They say the reviews I've seen so yeah. far is that it's more hopeful with one exception. They said it's much more hopeful because he does talk a lot about since the last movie right. of An Inconvenient Truth, right. how much amazing, you know, Herculean efforts have been made. And then, of course, it does a little bit of a pivot, apparently, and says, by the way, that could all be undone if we let Trump, you know, continue on the way they're I think going. Right. When you talk about learning lessons, Great that's progress. been a huge lesson of the environmental movement. I think one of the lessons they learned is like, OK, when you put messages out there of doom and gloom you can't that can't the people aren't motivated to take action yeah. because they're too depressed yeah 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 so you have to you know offer some hope to Otherwise, vote for right well that's that's why i try to at least in my own personal world when i'm posting things up on facebook yeah scathing political commentary here here's a good editorial cartoon oh Here's a story about a 19-year-old kid out of France who's invented this thing that'll clean plastic out of the ocean. Yeah. Right on, you know? Yeah. There are, and like you said, Jeff, there are amazing breakthroughs. There are amazing yeah. things happening every single day, and we just, we got to give them as much full-throated voice as we do all of our fears. Yeah, and again, I said this in the beginning of the Trump administration will be way more embarrassing than damaging. And the Republican Congress just embarrassed themselves with this health care thing that will never go anywhere. And now they're going to throw over to the Senate and the Senate's going to embarrass itself. And so it's going to be a lot of embarrassment and a lot of messiness. And so stay, it's going to be Obamacare for the foreseeable. I don't know if they're going to be able to move anything anytime soon. So Jeff started. Jeff Hendrick started the show with that, reminding people that hey, calm down. Calm down. It's so far it's from anything actually happening, yeah. and he can't do anything with executive order in that sense. They can dismantle a lot of things, and they have dismantled a lot of things. They've made it hard for government to do what it does well, but uh, that will all come around, be rectified. So let's get to the lighting around and some good news. Uh, one of the stories was a uh, the electoral college is by the way way closer to being replaced with the popular vote than than it has ever been. That's been flying very quietly under the radar, too, this story. There is, it is only really about what they would call 23 electoral votes worth of states away from— it's almost to the tipping point where there's almost enough states on board that it could go. Now, of course, you know, a Republican Congress is not going to move it right now, and they're going to fight it tooth and nail. But you flip the Congress, uh, you could get a real movement here and because there's been a quietly working organization which has been working to make the popular vote a reality— and I think that's good for everybody. I don't think that's a partisan issue uh, because it makes everyone participate. Because in the last presidential election. Right. Well, along with the participation thing, and we've talked about it on the show, let's have a voting weekend. Yeah. That's let's not make too. it like a Tuesday in the middle of the week and it only runs well, eight hours. Well, early voting is great, too. In, in early voting respect. is fine. But I really, if you want Wait, people to make Wait, you're talking yeah. about making it easier for people to vote? Yeah, I know. Crazy, I know. Crazy. A crazy idea here in a democracy. I know. Uh, <laughs> And that's really good news. And the other point about it is that people think, oh, if, you're, oh, if you're in a red state, you don't want the popular vote. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Because actually, uh, states like, even if you're in Alabama, Mississippi, uh, you, you could actually have a good turnout and overcome some of the effects of, you know, May, or of uh, Vermont or Connecticut. So you'd be more powerful than you think you would in a popular vote scenario. 
it would matter. It'd make every vote matter. Plus, instead of the presidential candidates visiting the same 12 states 880% of the time, they would actually come out to your state. I think the rural fear is that uh, they would only visit New York and L.A., yeah, and and, and the, uh, that New York and L.A. would rule the country. Well, interestingly, th- there is some they did some studies on this, too. This group that did it, they came out with great data showing that uh, rural vote. And, and actually, that's why Trump was elected, because rural vote uh, showed up in a disproportionate number. And 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 city vote was didn't show down show up as much. But then, of course, she still won by three million votes. That's another story. So anyway, that's moving along. Another thing, if you guys haven't been following it, they've been taking down racist Confederate statues in New Orleans. And that is an amazing thing because they've had to, if you haven't heard about it, these are some statues that like cel- literally celebrate racists who uh, did riots to kill a bunch of black people who were trying to be police in New Orleans and such. I mean, this isn't just like Confederate versus Confederate states rights ideas. These are these are heroes of black killers. <laughs> and there are statues of these folks and they've been taking them down. But uh, Merrill Andrew out there has had to have the construction workers cover all their signage, do it in the middle of the night, protected with police protection because of the death threats. Uh, people are trying to kill these people, trying to take down statues of racists. See, and the thing is, they probably don't even know anymore who those people were. They don't, of course. It's, again, it's cause and identity over what it really is. What it's do you like, care how about? Does it that statue. Your exactly. life. If a statue is there or isn't there. That's my past. That's my heritage. What are you doing That's to my it. country? My heritage. Ah, my ah. past. Yeah. It's it's pure identity. That's a great example. But thank you, Eric, for bringing that point because that is identity in the classic sense. That statue means nothing, and yet you're willing to go shoot somebody over it. And you say, well, that's what you know. Ideas are what things are built on. Well, that's not an idea. That's just a, a cause of your identity that doesn't even reflect who you are now. Well, see, Jeff. I have a problem here with what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. I think the slavers are not being properly represented in our historical uh, documents here. Hey. And certainly, that man over there did nothing to harm you. Why are you pulling his statue down? <laughs> Just because he was uh, mean to the niggers? That's yeah. not important. He's a good, oh, upstanding man. white Christian male. How dare you, sir? Yes. How <laughs> dare you, sir? Uh, another <laughs> great story was a uh, in New York, politician wants to create a Craigslist for leftover food. As you can imagine. Can he give it to the homeless? Yeah, well, yes, this, this is sort this of. Is, this is sort of dialed into that, though. No, it's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as you can imagine, a lot of food either gets thrown away from yeah. restaurants and stuff, but also just from shopping 40, markets. 40% evidently in the United States, we throw away 40%. Almost because of, half it, of nearing expiration dates. It doesn't have, There's various reasons. And another right. reason you'd say, oh, I can see why they're doing that because, you know, they can't sell that product. They can't serve that and product. Part of, part of it, though, is aesthetic. Yes. There's a couple of places in oh, California yeah. now that Tons are selling fruits and stuff. Ugly fruit. Ugly, ugly fruit fruits. and vegetables. They're still just as delicious and nutritious. They just aren't pleasing to the eye. Now, if you've ever seen an heirloom tomato, kids, they're ugly. They're not a pretty fruit. Yeah. But man, are they tasty. Oh, good Lord, are they? Because they actually taste like tomatoes used to taste when we were kids. They have flavor. <laughs> uh, I remember that. <laughs> so, so when, yeah, this is a good This is a good story. Yeah, when I read it at the old Craigslist, you mean like random homeless people are just going to show up at grocery stores? <laughs> no, because uh, that's what I thought. How do you work that, right? right. You put a, so what they did is they're doing it through, through food banks. And right. so it's a Craigslist search scenario. Yes, a, a grocery store or whatever, a, a produce distributor can say, I've got a ton of food. Here it is. Come get it now. And then obviously it's up to the food bank 
to get down there. But hey, I mean, that's maybe, the easy part. Yeah. Maybe Paul Ryan could take a selfie <laughs> with just the link <laughs> to Craigslist to show how that he's, he's a, helping homeless right. feed homeless oh, people. Right. right. Maybe he can roll up his sleeve so it looks like he's genuinely working. Yeah. Ooh, he's so butch. I love you guys. Um, <laughs> one, one more sting, one more little story. It's a fun story. Okay. Mario Maglieri, never heard that name before. Probably didn't. He founded the Whiskey A Go Go. Oh my God! Okay, nightclub. he just died. Oh, 1924 to 19, 2017. Good run. Cheapers, no kidding. Right, almost uh, almost 90 years. Was that do the math? 90 something years. And so uh, the Whiskey A Go Go. He opened in 1964, and at the time, this is a great story. It was illegal to advertise whiskey. Uh, so he misspelled it. For those who've been in, New York, in Los Angeles, you know it's spelled W I S K Y without the without e, e, right? And that way he got by that. Uh-huh. Right. Very clever. <laughs> and he also uh, did some unusual. He's, he's a pioneer in several areas, and they're, some are not really as socially relevant, but some are. One of them is they were he opened it to teens, which had a dramatic change in the way that uh, it kept some kids off the streets. Was big. They were actually got to go to some place. Um, <laughs> he also invented the go-go girl and the the idea of women uh, dancing in cages or dancing on uh, on on that, he, that was him he paid people to, uh, women, oh, yeah. you know to dance to just create that mood you know and obviously use hot girls and of course if you go to the gate what's the gate club you like to go to where they, where they have the boys, abbey the abbey where you have boys you have boys or boys whatever they're men but boys in uh, in, in two small tidy whitey uh, <laughs> you know uh, d- underwear and Thons. tennis shoes yeah basically and tennis shoes dancing uh, to create that mood Another thing he did, this is a, a, a we, the club was set to open. This I'll just read it to you. Ads were bought in the local papers. The problem was the whiskey still had no furniture and wasn't quite complete. Unwilling to haste the buzz and unable to afford another marketing campaign, Mario's visionary mind once again turned to an obstacle into an asset. He hired a bouncer, bought velvet rope, wait for it, then paid teens to wait in front and clamor to get into the into the oh into the whiskey a go go. Are you kidding? And then they came. <laughs> So for two nights in a row, he paid teens to stand out in front, pretending basically to be dying to get in. He created that idea. And if you don't know, this is a Los Angeles thing where nightclubs will keep a nightclub empty for a while in order to keep people out front. So it makes it look like people are dying to get in. That's the modern incarnation. But Maglieri came up with the idea of paying people to stand outside. And he said by the third night, it worked. And there were people that were not paid who were lining up to get into this amazing club that must be awesome because there's a line out front, right? God, we're such sheep. I know. <laughs> right? <laughs> we're just such sheep. He he brought in some of the, the biggest artists to work there. Do you know who the house band was? was the, the Doors. For that's a while. right. Yeah. The Doors. The Doors for Pete was the house band. And he's talking about how he, Jim Morrison was everything he said. He swore too much. He drank too much. Oh, yeah. He got into too much trouble. But he was the house band, and that led to the door. You know, he, he, he debuted groups. <laughs> hey, uh, Lizard King, you want to climb up? off that wall and go make an album right yeah sure <laughs> here's he was the first club to book african-american artists oh, in, wow. in on the sunset strip nice so a big deal there he and he also was famous for he did every genre during the punk wave the punks kind of took oh, over yeah. and he went sure then let's cultivate the best talent of punk and so he launched like the ramones the clash the germs bad brains patty smith x used to play there a lot too. Yeah, yeah all these oh, folks no. you know as, as well as ironically he launched 80s groups like the go-go's and <laughs> you know blondie the runaway 
Ways, all kinds of things. He's, it, the list is so long. Of the, you know, He was having groups like Aerosmith, Fleetwood Mac, Tom Petty, Bonnie Raitt, Cheap Trick, Steely Dan, Journey, Bad Company, the, all these folks. And the other thing that's not really mentioned in the article is that the whiskey's not that big a place. No, yeah. So when you, you saw go. these bands in this venue, it was like having them in your living room. Yes. so cool. Yeah. It's a, such a cool little venue. It's still a great place. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you're if you're a listener from out of town, check out the whiskey. Check out the whiskey when, when you come to Lake. Go spend a night at the whiskey and, and go see some live music. Instead there. of doing everybody, everybody goes to Viper Room and says, "Oh, remember Phoenix died?" No, go to the whiskey. Go to the whiskey. <laughs> go yeah. go. It's just down the way. You can go to both. They're yeah, you know, yeah. kind of right across the street from each other. <laughs> and, and you will have the same realization. Whichever one of those two you go into, Viper Room or whiskey, go. You will walk in like Jeff yeah. Hendrick just said and go. This is it. Yeah. It's so small. Yeah, the Viper Room in particular is very small. The Viper Room is super yeah. tiny. And you just stand around and there's not much, you know. You're, you know. No. So anyway, uh, I thought I'd share with that. A little Los Angeles fun. Uh, but cool. it's a reminder that whether you're a nightclub owner, club owner, whatever you are, you know, you can have a major impact by just being in love with what you're doing. Yes. By just being so passionate and inspired by it that you, because you, he was always clear about what he wanted. He wanted to make change be and, and find the best of the best and bring it in and say I want to you know show this to the he, world he, he want to show things to the world he wanted the best venue on the strip and he made it yeah <laughs> there's no two ways about it the whiskey is an absolute icon yeah so there you go I have been Jeff Stein he's been Jeff Hendrick that's Erica Ferriston thank you for listening to Jeff's World we'll get back to you in the next show we're going to probably be talking about Sally Yates and what happened there because Russia is now going to be the new topic I can tell you that in fact if you're listening to the show it's probably delayed and you already know that oh my god Russia is the big topic Russia, Russia, Russia. Das Vidanya, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. That perfect ending. <laughs> this has been Jeff's World, the social, political, pop cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic Jeff Stein. <laughs>